0: What is up guys, it's been a while since I uploaded another podcast, about like a week or so, but got my buddy Will on this, I'm going to be talking about some D&D, so let's get it.
1: Hey, what's up, man?
0: What is up? What is up? So we just got done playing some d d Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh, man. Let me quickly put some background music here. So just. So. You should be able to hear that. Let me know if it's coming through for you.
1: No, no.
0: Oh, that's weird. OK, I'm
1: not worried about it.
0: But um, basically, what actually got you into D&D in the first place?
1: Um, I got into it in 2017. I had watched a skit YouTube video um, from Puffin Forest covering he did like this animation of these two characters. They were making funny voices. I thought it was interesting. They knocked out some guards in a shop, basically. I was like, oh, what is this? And I kind of went down the YouTube rabbit hole and found uh, uh, Task Force Gray DM'd by a Matt Mercer, voice professional voice actor. And he was doing a, a show with a bunch of actors. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And it I found out around that time, there were clips. He had a whole campaign going. So I actually watched all of uh, the last episode of 115 episodes, I think, of season one, uh, Vox Machina. I watched that and then found out, by the time I watched it, about two weeks later, there was going to be a new show. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to start with there. Then I got the itch real bad and I wanted to play. So I started uh, going to Adventure League and had some mixed bag results there. And then I started branching out, talking with nearby friends, and they talked with their friends. Started uh, getting together and played. I've always liked RPGs, but this was a, an RPG where you could have more control over it. Make exactly your character. You don't need a million mods on Skyrim to get your character to look exactly how you want them.
0: That is true. It it definitely takes a lot more creativity than, like, you know, creating a character in in Skyrim or any other RPG games. Um, Just because there's a lot more freedom in terms of how you want them to look.
1: And then I think it also, um, I think it's fuel for your imagination as well. Like, you, uh, in a video game, there's a backdrop already set for you but with a tabletop game like dungeons and dragons or any any tabletop out there um you have to kind of flesh out more of the backstory you know you know with an elder scrolls game you're going to start in a prison you're going to escape some big thing's going to fall in your lap and dungeons and dragons and unless your dm's like really trying to spoon feed you stuff nothing really falls in your lap you kind of hope you fall into find something important to do and it just kind of wanders from there eventually something will lead into some big story and the cool part about it is the directions you weren't expecting to go because there are no levels to the structure of it it's just you naturally follow the progression of an adventure
0: dope dope okay so being that you've um started playing in adventure league um was it the the pathfinder ed-
1: edition for like D? Uh no, it was it was it was 5E, fifth okay. edition. Um that's all they were playing. It was like only two hour sessions every Wednesday, so from like six to eight. Gotcha. And
0: that was like in yeah. the back of a comic book store like your stereotypical like D D setting.
1: Oh, exactly. Exactly like it. Um Adventure League has a lot more focus on uh, burning through the books, basically, like modules. So there, there's actually not a lot of role-playing, and I think everybody thinks that they're really into the role-play, and I think everybody starts off a certain level of snobbishness, like, I'm here for the great story, I'm here. But realistically, you have a cool character in your mind, but you haven't actually come up with a cool person to go with the character. Gotcha. And Adventure League wasn't a great place to cultivate that desire.
0: Yeah, I... I... Based on on some of the stuff that I used to look up for, on Dungeons and Dragons, everybody would suggest you know going to like a local comic book shop or a local game store to um, like try out playing D anD D. But like the being that like how I was like always the shy kid around, like I wasn't I felt intimidated going into a place like that because it seemed like these are like very experienced players. It's kind of the part of the reason why I never got you know start playing Yu Gi Oh and like other card games like in tournaments because of the amount of competition that would be in these places okay so when I was first I guess introduced into D&D in terms of like videos that I would see or like reading posts online even memes it had overall like feel that it was very competitive it was mostly because of the memes that I would read because lot of the memes were geared towards horrible players and I'm actually thankful that the very first time that I got to play D&D was when I was working in the library and it was only like one session but that was actually the inception of my my very first character Captain Torn and okay from there it it got me very intrigued into it but I was never able to find another like group until like our more recent group. But definitely I was more intimidated because it felt very heavy on the competition. Like I wasn't sure exactly what D N D was, but it seemed very competitive.
1: Well off of that, with the competition, and then once you once our group got its initial start with uh, our first DM and the initial like eight person game, uh, how did that translate to as far as competition go? What what carried over and what didn't from that uh, initial mindset you had?
0: It it was a, definitely a lot more relaxed than I was. I was anticipating a little bit more um, a high energy, if you will. Um I was thinking this is gonna be very combat heavy. You know, I gotta make the 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 heaviest like hitter I can make, or even the more tactical person. But I was definitely missing the whole point of it, was just you know creating something that you're gonna have fun with. And I started off with Captain Torn, who was a bard, because it seemed like the very simplest thing to play. Everything else seemed so fucking complicated. (laughs) But I I was kind of wrong because was I, it was not it was not I was I was struggling I chose feats completely like wrong like I just did things that seemed like they were cool
1: and in a sense like yeah that's like the which whole point of it isn't wrong yeah which that's something to point out too is you don't have to pick the mechanically best thing if you've got an image in your head you got a character and then you've got a person
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about like what you think would be cool. Doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, making the heaviest hitter or trying to fit a specific role in a party. And it took me a little bit to actually learn that because I was still trying to fit that role, even with the second character that I made was uh, Daquan, who was a a paladin. Like I was still trying to fit that. I had like an overall idea of being this almost like this guardian protector, like student armor, heavy hitter. But as like the sessions went on, I started realizing like, okay, this is not his personality. He's kind of living in his father's shadow, like
1: he wants power and just became power hungry. And I I think since I was actually your DM for Daquan, I actually think he became more interesting once he started doubting himself. I from because I haven't really gotten into that. I don't think we ever got into that. As So what I found interesting about your character from my other side of the glass, I found him way more interesting once he had faults and was failing things. And then it instead of it being just up to the dice, you leaned into it being a character fault.
0: Yeah, at at that point, like as a player, I was like not necessarily frustrated with like all the bad roles because I was rolling pretty shitty when I was playing him. Um, it was it was rough. I yeah. was feeling bad for you, but it, I started taking it because I was still trying to find like his, his exact personality. And mm-hmm. because of those shitty roles, I started leaning into that as like his entire fault. Like this is this is my wrongdoing. This is you know I failed at this because I I wasn't good enough with this you know and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it it definitely made him unique in in my sense. Um, being that you've seen me play. Three characters already. Um, Yeah. What would you, out of those three characters,
1: what would you say was the the most interesting of each? Okay. Most interesting. I would have to say Lucan by far, but I think it's not an unfair comparison, but I think we started off with a, our first game was terrible that was that was not a fun game at all i don't think well you know what you were having fun and i feel bad for you and chris were having fun until you guys heard some of the complaints the rest of us had yeah then we and it was like oh we kind of that that how i met your mother moment where the glass shatters mm-hmm. when you realize something it's like oh oh fuck okay
0: yeah it, it was like a very it was my first,
1: it here. yeah, cool.
0: yeah it's completely fine yeah. i curse all the time but that whole like time that we were playing was it Cause it was still a brand new thing so us. like we were just having fun we were just happy to be included
1: He's happy to get into play at yeah. all
0: so like as the more that we started learning about the rules and like how things should be going and we realized like oh wait they were right this shouldn't be the way it is and it's not changing so I understand why these guys are, are frustrated like
1: but go ahead. to to finish an- answering your question sorry no. um I don't think it's it's fair because Lucan, you got the benefit of going from one game with a certain style and a minimum. I don't I don't remember do you remember how much backstory you worked with uh, with your DM for Captain Torum? Actually, not much, if any, really. We had like a conversation with a couple of questions. And then with Daquan, we got a little bit further. We used Xanathars. We used a little bit of generic D things in there, and some like the flaws and the the ideals, which are great. But those are all things that need like a paragraph added on. You uh huh? Sorry. Are you good? With Lucan, we actually sat down and we we did the same thing. A bunch of general details, and we actually made Lucan before we made Daquan. That is true. Lucan, Lucan was Lucan was going to be your character before Daquan. Yeah, and then. We found. Then we found out about the party composition. You're like, oh, maybe you know what? I'm gonna go for Paladin instead. It changed. So Daquan was like an ad hoc, real quick dude. Here's some stereotypical things. Neat, cool, got it. I I recognize this dude. I've seen him in a comic book. I've I've seen him in the movies. I know who this guy is, or who who he's supposed to be. Uh, Lucan was a little bit less formed, a little bit more flexible, and the introduction. Uh, we st- we had been doing for everybody out there. We had done one on one sessions to do a develop a backstory to none of us are professional writers. None of us are professional actors. We're not critical role. That's for sure. Yeah. that's um, sure. But I think doing the one on one sessions helps players uh, really concrete in who they're going to be making and playing as. So it gave you stuff to react to. If I put you in exposition, how do you react as this guy? And that is where Lucan started to show who he was and his ideals i think lucan matched the backstory that you had ideated for daquan far better lucan has more of that traditional kind of heroic paladin sort of character going on and with the traumatic events that i was putting in my first attempt at dming uh, you had some serious things that kind of concreted down got rid of some of the idealism and it became a lot more serious hey these things have consequences. <laughs> and I. The direction we were heading. Right before I decided to pause that campaign. And I needed a break. Was going in a place where like. Hey he could be accomplishing some. Truly heroic things.
0: Yeah. And and that's the one thing I, I do like about. Um, like your DMing style. And how Lucan. Came to be overall. Um, it was. It definitely felt a. a a better fleshed out character and it definitely felt it had uh, a definite concrete beginning and like middle like it's he's still around like he hasn't died yet but it throughout the, like the entire story it, he definitely showed his flaws he he humbled him he was humbled like tremendously like he at the start of of like our private sessions like I had the, the this idea of Lucan being Just an overall like Hero Protector you know Like guardian of the forest Type of thing mm-hmm. And as the sessions It changed went, naturally Yeah as the Sessions went along He started realizing That you know There's plenty of bad people you, There's not going to be good in everyone And as much as you try to help, you can't save everyone. Like you're just one person. Things are going to happen. Think people are going to die and is beyond your control. Don't make big promises you can't keep and just help as as you go along.
1: Now, if you were to ask me that same question about most interesting character, but change interesting to most morally heroic my answer would change. Uh, And it would be Captain Torrin. I put Daquan as the most evil, and then Lucan as the second most evil, but Captain Torrin, based on the time you were controlling and playing, not me making them an NPC, Mm -hmm. uh, Torrin is the only one who actually lived up to heroic ideals. At worst, he was a bit of an idiot. Not reading the room. But at best, he was the most heroic with how he acted enough to the point where I was sitting there writing like fan fiction in my head about about like, hey, I don't know anything about his backstory. I was filling in details on my own, which honestly, which honestly probably fed my desire to be a DM to replace our old DM, which honestly, I would still
0: take your backstory or like your fiction of Captain Torrin over any backstory that I created for him because it honestly made sense considering the way that I played him. From being the drunken fool to like starting fights in taverns to making sure everyone stays up in a fight and everyone's healed and being an overall support character because of, you know, pirate captain.
1: Yeah, but you but the way Torin was played was he wasn't a support character. He was, in my opinion, the support character. Captain Torrin was mechanically and the way that you played him he's a character that no matter what adventuring party we ever make nobody would ever be like yeah we don't we don't want that guy with us he's always a character that's like oh oh that's a force multiplier we just went from m16s to a tomahawk missile yeah and you might not be the explosives but he's definitely the uh, the propellant yeah which i i definitely liked because it- the
0: idea that I had for Captain Torren was to be the overall supporter. Yeah, he was a captain of a crew, but he would always put his crew above himself. Is what I was trying to do, and based on on your answers, like I I think I achieved that. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that.
1: And captain Torren will always be like my favorite character I've ever made, and now that one, I, one day you'll play him again, probably and actually. I mean, you could play Captain Torn in a game. I DM. You haven't done that yet.
0: Yeah, I haven't done that yet. Could be possible, but we'll, we'll see. Always on the table.
1: I have to re-roll stats and do a brand new, brand new roll. Oh yeah, but, definitely.
0: But I will still keep him as a bard and keep the whole pirate thing going because that was a
1: really cool thing for me. Um, now, interestingly enough, you DM now. You, you, you're, you're a DM now for our current game. Since I'm taking a break, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. What are things that between your first two DMs that you, I guess three DMs you've had, what are things that you've chosen not to include because you think you could do something differently or that you wanted to try different? Hmm.
0: I think that's, that's a little bit tough because in terms of like, In terms of trauma and overall like sorry I keep saying like a lot Um, in terms of trauma and overall dark themes and portraying you know survival, everything being bleak in the final moments before the heroics come I feel that's definitely your strong suit that I don't think I would be able to capture so I try to do things differently in terms of in, introducing um, religion or occultist stuff because that's stuff that I ha- I have a bigger interest in. Um, mm-hmm. So themes of gods, themes of you know the nine hells, um, just different things that I've seen in comics, um, and including with like the our first DM who tried to do the whole occultist thing. I wanted to keep that because I felt like I could do that better. I stayed away from Mm -hmm. the whole trauma, the whole dark, overall bleak themes, because that is something I can't do, but I can probably make action or things more creative and more
1: detailed in a way, if that makes any sense. See, I, I disagree with you on that point where you feel like you can't do it. I felt like our Eberron game was super bleak. The I think the dif- I think the difference is and I have taken note from you and with your DMing, I is what made me be like, "Okay, I need to restart our game." Like watching you DM has made me like, "I need to restart this shit cuz like this is getting to the point where it doesn't make sense anymore. Like I need to I need to rework everything cuz I didn't set this up good. I didn't give it good foundations." And I think your foundations are very good. Like the 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 despair, the the spooky, all the dark, gritty stuff. I felt you provided a really great atmosphere. Now, yeah, you're using Eberron, so you have a module. It's not a homebrew world like I made, but the way that you describe things and the way that you established it, you presented the skeleton of you know the body of everything in a way that made me feel pressure. Like I felt like everything was spooky. It felt very noir. And then I I think that's in the same vein. Uh, it's, it, it felt like a very real, heavy, worldly issue. It I didn't you know, yeah, I was a cultist and stuff, but it also felt like uh, if you've watched the movie Sin City, yeah. I I every time we played Eberron, it felt like that for me. I don't know about the other guys, but I felt like I was like in you know Magic Sin City. Okay,
0: yeah, and that was, that was the one thing that I was so worried about going into Eberron was trying to capture that feeling of noir and and a very deep mystery, if you will. And even now with like the, the current campaign, it's I want to capture that very big sense of, you know, going on an adventure and having to struggle from the very beginning and doing things to get to a certain point. And I think I'm, I'm starting to get into the flow and finding my unique style now because I have taken a lot of notes from you as well on things to do, things not to do, and how to create more interesting, like, encounters, more what's, interesting NPCs. What's the not to do things you learned from me? Oh, like, from the very beginning, I I know that it was something that you kind of, like, thrust yourself into. It was still something new yeah. to you. That I could see that you were struggling At certain points but you were still Managing mm-hmm. to come through on top Even if it was something that was Improvised or something that was planned Out And I, from our talks Throughout those sessions I know you mentioned Your frustrations on Well I wish I would have like wrote this down I wish I would have you know planned this out a little bit more So I've taken that And tried to Plan things out in as much detail as I can. Sometimes I go a little bit overboard and try to over plan things that may not even happen.
1: And it doesn't get used. Yeah. So it's something that'll DM get crap. Curse everywhere. Yeah. The things that they look down, everything else I've got ready. Yep.
0: Which actually almost happened a couple like in the past two sessions of this new campaign. Like you guys were super close to completely just saying, fuck this. We're going to go do something else. So it, it would have been on me to improvise, like what was going to happen at that point.
1: Oh, well I saw like three to me, I saw three or four blatant, uh, starter quest baits. So I was like, okay, cool. I, all right, we need to, my first thought was I, I my initial thought, the first quest is, we are gonna land with these refugees. We're gonna get them to a new island, and whoever's the authority nearby, we're gonna hey, we we help save these people. Oh, hey, good job. Let me, I have a job for you. Actually, if if you save these people, maybe you can do something for me. That's where I thought it was going, until uh, Captain Three Three Ring Three Earrings uh, starts talking about treasure. It's like, oh, okay, there's another one. And then one of the other players in their group made a, made a promise to a child. And that was kind of like, well, I'm a good person and my character would be on board. Let's go let's go, make an impossible promise to a child come true.
0: Yeah, and I think that is part of the difficulties when it comes to role-playing in D&D. Is trying to detach your, yourself from the character. If your character has a completely different personality than what you do in real life because you in real life would say and do different things and would not necessarily agree with this person.
1: So I find I make, I think I make characters, the type of characters be the people that I wish that I was. I wish I was this more like uh, kind hearted, like shown in kind of minded young mm-hmm. character, uh, and I don't like old characters. I just don't like old characters for a low level. If you start off at level one or five, because I feel like if you're if you're old, then you have to have been doing this for a while, unless you had a midlife crisis. Definitely, definitely.
0: Now that I'm I'm DMing, I like to make older characters as you know generic MTCS that ha- have been doing mm-hmm. stuff like for a while, or just as like, or just as lore drops. Um being that they would have like the, the longer experience than some of the other NPCs. Now, let me ask you this. What's up? What were some of the games that you've played, some of the RPG games, that kind of started sparking th- that interest in tabletop gaming?
1: Oh, uh, Fable, Knights of the Old Republic. Um... Morrowind, Oblivion. Uh, I used to when I got Fable, I would I actually would draw. I actually got the packet back when Xbox games had the packets with all the lore, and you could read everything mm-hmm. on the inside of the video game cover. It had a map of uh, Albion, the, the land that Fables in, and I would like draw military like battles and formations. Like, oh well, if we had this many heroes with this spells and all that, I would like to plan that out, and it's like. Man, how cool would it be if I could do this? How cool would it be if I could do that, you know? Uh Morrowind. There's a section, uh, spoiler alert. If you finish any of the <laughs> spoiler alert for Morrowind, uh but if you finish, you know, like I know at least with the House Redoran quest, you get gifted a a settlement, which starts off as just this this hut in the middle of nowhere. And you spend your money and time and you get a wall built. You get you get a trader to actually move in there. You get guards, like proper NPC like city guards to man that post for you. And you are like in charge of it. And one of the cool things about uh, Morrowind was you could take actual like lanterns, candles, all that stuff. If you drop them, they always emitted light. They didn't run out. So I just made a trail of these blue candles all the way to this place. And it was like, you know what? Think about the lore that would be. What well, cool lore is find a place that always has blue candles lights lighting up the trail home. Mm. And then, you know, Skyrim, who doesn't add mods to Skyrim now, trying to get the perfect yeah. image, the exact building thing you want, and then Fallout 4 comes along. I love building things. You've you've seen me build so many goddamn things, and you've only seen like a tenth of it compared to Dave and Zach. Yeah. Like I build so many things constantly. I just I love the idea of creating something. And then seeing how other things would react to your creation, be it NPCs or climate or so climate being like wars or guilds or even just a setting. My flying dwarven gnome city is still in the back of my head with their silver dragon guardians.
0: Actually, speaking of guardians... Um, I know I've made mention to you about Creating my own unique homebrew world So whenever we're done yeah. with uh, The wildmount campaign And either we transition Back to you I'm going to be continuing writing The, the overall theme of, of this homebrew world And in terms of The the backstory And the lore that I have um, I know that in Eberron I meant, mentioned to you about having Guardian dragons Mm-hmm. Um, kind of be like a, a major thing I am yeah. go- going to keep that the overall theme and put this into this new world where the the overall creation of it was because of these guardian dragons and how Wildmount has a similar uh, structure with the, the prime deities um, having a kind of a similar climax or climatic battle between these guardian dragons and something else that cause them to to vanish or like go beyond a gate or something huh. but this would also tie in with the the homebrew subclass that i'm working on for the the paladins the oath of the dragons yes so potentially having a, a kingdom where the majority of their guards or knights are paladins of the dragons so I'm still working on a lot of the details But I My goal for the next Three years Because I'm still writing this as I'm DMing Is to Have a Solid structure of this world In terms of names, government um, Towns And overall like, Faith Yeah
1: Faith, religion, and history So Like right. I used, I used my homebrew world, the the Sundered Vale, to the lore I made up for it, and the way that magic works, and how it exists away from all the other realms, is like you know, uh, as an excuse to make up for what I did not know about places like the Sword Coast or Eberron or anything. So that when when I learned something new, it was like, oh, this here's a cool god of justice, and he's not the typical stereotype. Oh, this is a different, Torm's pretty cool, but everybody no- only knows Tyr. Uh, it was able to be like, okay, well, I like this and this. So now I can create something loosely based on it and make it a historical connection as a way to make up for what I, William, do not know about, about uh, the OG gods created to us by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. And I've been trying to
0: do my best to, to research a lot of the, the, the gods, but I'm honestly thinking about just creating like, Unique ones, are taking inspiration from other games
1: or comics. A draconic pantheon would be cool, and it's something I notice is really lacking in most of what's available. I haven't. There's yeah, not a whole lot of. There's Tiamat and Bahamut. Uh, that's, and I don't that's know any multicolored dragonborns or. Uh, Honestly, that, any, that any, could be a
0: thing if I if I continue on with a guardian dragon theme. Is having the whole pantheon of dragons and potentially dragonborns being of multicolored, like you mentioned, um, you can have half black, half blue dragon that their breath weapon is
1: green lightning. I don't know. You could even uh you could even make the color irrelevant to that what aspect, like i follow like the greek or roman pantheons because that's like an easy quick like 12 gods bam 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 right there we've got farming we've got war we've got strategy we got Mm -hmm. all that crap so like typically if you were to think okay aries go with the the chromatic colors that you have available what color do you think to throw in there like red or gold or something like that right yeah maybe white right You could make the color irrelevant there could be multiple gods that are the same color and it's you know some personality traits but their aspects and make it like their personalities what makes them godly what differentiates so they're not uh locked into being described by what color their scale is oh he's winter he's he breathes ice so he has to be a frosty war god not necessarily that's just the detail he just happens to be frosty
0: yeah you can definitely do that too frosted it's, the asgard <laughs> or just having certain dragons that are completely like a white dragon that lives in the center of, of a volcano because why not yeah and, and that's the definitely the beauty of DD. it's there's no right or wrong it's whatever is in your mind it's definitely possible
1: i mean yeah i made i made yellow dragons and y'all have come across her once while she was polymorphed, and that's it. I I will admit this now,
0: since we're not doing ever right now. I came up with a pink dragon because of what you told me that I came up with a pink guardian dragon that you guys actually met. Okay. Um, she was the one that kind of disappeared into like the the petals.
1: Okay. So, man. I know you were just talking about Torin, but now we've mentioned Eberron. It's like, man, I was so excited to play Kerwin. I yeah. I, I, was, I was I was excited to actually try out being a player and developing a character in front of cause our player group are my players, right? Normally. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a player. I was like, okay, I'm gonna make Kerwin. and I'm some clearly defined faults and I'm gonna show her working her way through it realistically, and it's gonna be an example, and it's gonna be great. And I drew a, a card from the deck of many things and that got kaput.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that is something that I learned that do not introduce a deck of many things to a very low-level party. Save that for the higher level.
1: I I like it. I'm, I'm okay with it at any level. I think what I'll do in the future is I'm going to introduce those homebrew cards as replacements for the way too good and the way too terrible. I think I, I talked about them with you before, but uh, capping them. So they're all like oh, that's really good, or oh, that's really bad, but not, like, game-ending for you.
0: Also, in regards to the homebrew cards, um, having, I think it was the Sun card, where they gain, like, 50,000 XP, just, your idea, leveling up just once. Because it
1: really causes some issues of trying to balance There's a level 9 Paladin, Oath of Vengeance in a party, with, uh, Level four Hexblade, level four Whisper Bard, level four Thief Rogue. Yeah. And then, I mean, look at look at Giannis, because he also got the level up one more time after you've gained your... Uh, after, if you do the next encounter alone, which obviously that means I had to set it up so we had a legitimate shot at it. Yep. And then Meta, you, you as Lucan didn't jump in either, and Giannis said, oh, I've got this, when he would never do that before ever. Meta was you know he was so he spent you know a year plus at level 11 while the rest of the party was at 6 and le- catching up to him we got to the point where I had to skip we've skipped two levels we, we, skipped, uh, we skipped 9 Yeah, completely we went from 8 to 10 because I flat out, me as DM was getting impatient with having like wait for everybody to get to do cool stuff like, the, like one player Yeah, it's like it's weird dynamic. I mean, unless it's part of the story, I don't know that I I like one player being that far ahead of the others. To be fair, though, you did
0: give us really difficult encounters to kind of balance that out. So we succeeded in in the long run, but it, it came at the cost
1: of a few characters. I'm excited the first time I actually use a dragon on you guys. I want that to be like a memorable, like the first time you guys face a dragon, like a real, like I'm trying to kill you all. This is not, I'm not going to let you get away. I want that moment, like whether you win or lose to be a a gaming moment, like the first time you come out of the sewers in the Imperial city or the first time you, Oh, you're finally awake (laughs) next to roll off in them. You know, I want it to be one of those iconic moments and y'all's, D and D life, so I want to really do it up good. I want it to be a okay. Yeah, we shit ourselves. No, yeah, we shit ourselves completely. No,
0: I have, I definitely have a similar goal, but not with dragons. I want to give you guys a really tough demon fight, something on the equivalent of not necessarily Dark Souls, but having that difficulty similar to that. You know, where it's it's not. How is- yeah i'll remember uh, i was gonna say like where it's not nearly impossible to beat it's just you're gonna have a really hard time and if you don't use your resources wisely it's going
1: to end bad what did you think of my first the first dungeon that i made the bottom of that uh fort how was that between the boss fight and the, the different monsters and the mechanics and the agents and the little bit of lolf messing with players here what was that like in regards to demons and fiends and stuff for you I, how was it different from the normal encounters i do i definitely loved if it I, I
0: loved it i loved every minute of it it was definitely different but it forced us into a situation that we were not used to we were always used to Dealing with hordes and hordes of, of enemies. And more humanoid um, creatures. Where this time around. It really forces us to rely on each other. More than before. While before in, in previous encounters. We can just kind of separate. And one group. Yeah one group deals with one thing. The other group deals with another. The, the dungeon really made us stick together, do not split up, and, you know, watch each other's backs. And, I, I mean, the, the more notable moment for me, well, two of them, was the, the entire fight with, um, I just forgot his name. I apologize. Um, Ferris. Okay. Yeah. The whole fight with Ferris was honestly... One of my favorites because of how difficult it was, where I felt like my character was not doing anything. It wasn't really doing a lot of damage. It was just more of a distraction. And then which
1: one? You were playing two characters in that fight, bud.
0: Well, I, I didn't really count the other
1: one, like Ash, as as a full character. But Lucan wasn't really doing much. Oh, for characters we don't get to play all the way through. Yeah.
0: It's fine, but considering like everybody else was trying their best to you know do damage or take this guy down, you know other things started interfering and made it a lot more interesting. Also the the whole encounter where I think they were the the giants where it silenced the, the the room that we were in that that made it really cool and a slight moment of panic and so because they weren't tough yeah they They were not tough they weren't tough but it was more of we could still potentially die here i'm a long range character that's basically fighting in you know close combat i need to do something to get the other people's attention so we can like end this quickly So i was pretty thankful
1: you you came up with a really creative solution you shot an arrow out through a doorway to make it clatter out outside the the sphere of silence which that was clever as hell you i would you would have all died if you had not done that i would have killed you guys inside that silence because one of those bodies was it was one of those monsters that if you don't do x type of damage to it before their next turn they will split or make another one of them. So it was gonna start off with three monsters, but it was gonna become four and then six and then eight. It was gonna get out of control on you guys. Yeah, that was gonna be very,
0: very bad. So, and honestly, that entire dungeon, I was expecting my character to die. I was going in with what? the expectation like, all right, this is gonna be it. There's n- not gonna be any way for me to, you know, get all my arrows, all of. An entire cart full of arrows down here. Have a little. That's
1: what fifty gold of arrows.
0: Yeah, only fifty gold worth of arrows. Which, by the way, it's it's a shit ton of arrows. I think it was like over eight hundred.
1: Yeah, dude. Like we we did up the weight. You needed a wagon. Yeah. So there was no way I was going to be able to get all of that down. Well, I want to I want to ask then something on you then. So, it taking out all of your characters and bringing in everyone else's characters, my, mine included, what characters were most interesting for you, whether as a player or DM, that you were looking at that you weren't playing yourself? Mm.
0: I honestly was really interested in Terza and whole her whole backstory. Um, from getting glimpses of her being, being part of Xanathar or the the I'm one of them. And just the, even though like my characters weren't part of it, um, watching, um, the, the player, uh, I don't know if they want me to mention the name or not, but watching the player, yeah. watching the player just deal with the whole situation of being trapped in a house with these two, uh, Gang members trying to chase her down and everything, and just being very creative about her surroundings, and just using everything to her advantage. that was really cool, and I loved every moment of that. Um, also, Carwin, I was really excited to see how things go with Carwin. With everything that you were telling me and what you would want, wanted to see her go through, and see her, you know, get to a certain point. I was fully invested in, in her story as well.
1: That's something I was actually, I, I'm, I'm going to want as a DM future is I I want to hear from my players. What are some things you want to see your character get put through? Like what are specific story beats you want to be put up against to, you know, it's not to railroad a certain direction. So, okay, well, you know, I've, you know, I got beat up a lot. So now I, I decided it's time to learn how to wear heavy armor. So now that justifies me wearing plate armor now. Uh, not like one of those, but to uh, develop a character flaw. So anybody that's listening, Karen was uh, very nationalistic for Breland and Eberron. And my goal was I wanted to see her shift from being really concerned with just my king and country and then there's a lot going on with the rest of the world and I need to protect everybody else and go from this very assassin based character, this, you know, 007 type of woman into, you know, like, you know, lady night, like uh, I'm drawing a blank, but French lady, they burned her at the stake. Um, I'm, it sounds very, very familiar to me. Yeah, it was a female uh, I feel terrible now. So now I, I gotta look because I, I I know what it is. I, I it's on the tip of my tongue. As we look it's this free. up. Oh man. So- France female knight. Joan of Arc. Yeah. I want I wanted I wanted Carwin to turn into like a full on Joan of Arc. And her, uh, her expertise in stealth was going to become useless because I would have graduated her up to you know, half plate and going full frontal on people instead of using mask of uh, many faces and things to hide and conceal. I wanted her to s- step into the light and protect people out in front and not deal with issues behind the scenes and care about her party members on an individual basis, which I was trying to build in. I started with Adonis and I didn't things just happen
0: yeah that's that was the one thing that i was struggling with during that campaign was having you guys care about each other as much which now that we started the wild mount campaign and having everyone just know each other from the very beginning really helped push that and it's not as hard for me to create situations where all of you guys agree
1: on one thing I, I, I definitely think so. I think our, our group has started off in a situation where we started playing D&D. This is going to sound weird, really weird, based off how I just talked about how I love the creativity and getting to describe what you want for your character. But we started off way too much freaking leash, way too much freedom. I think uh, it, it would be far easier to have a DM give some guidelines. Hey, I need these three things from you. I need you to be good aligned. I need you to have this type of monster have a backstory related to why you hate this type of monster and i need you to know at least two of your party members and have a good relationship with them tell me a story about how you met like just you know D D, will and jeff real quick how'd you meet will where'd you meet him why are you still friends with him why would you want to go with him into a gunfight yeah <laughs> shit like yeah you know, I, those I, are the I, questions to ask for your D characters
0: i whole wholeheart- wholeheartedly agree because it, it puts a little Im- the DM the has
1: to jump through hoops to yes. make you guys have a reason to stay together Thank like you. make the entire city of Waterdeep in a siege so you can't get away yeah or <laughs> and even then, the group didn't bond so it didn't work yeah or throw a potentially
0: dangerous revival of a overlord and make you guys Join the 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 church to try to stop it, but end up dying in the process.
1: Which would have been awesome, by the way. God, I would love. I enjoyed Karen. I enjoyed care everything about Karen.
0: Same here. (laughs) She was out of that entire campaign. It was she was the more fleshed out out of everyone. Now she
1: was my attempt at finally getting to be a player.
0: Now I know we we've only had two sessions of the Wild Mount
1: campaign. Um, how do you think that's going so far um i think it's going i think it's going as good as can be um pacing is pacing is the main thing i focus on i've told you guys that when i first started my main thing is i wanted to feel like the pacing was good
0: yeah
1: um the the pacing is good i think it stutters a little bit from here and there like uh extra options get presented after like people have made a decision and then it causes that decision to be unmade uh, a little bit. So okay. the timing, I think, but I, I that is probably, if that's on purpose then that's, um, it's meant to mess up the party and make us, uh, what what do we care about more? In which case then it's a good thing. So it's one of those teeter totter things. Mm-hmm. Like if it's me- if it's done on purpose, then it's an excellent idea. If an, a- if it's an accident, well then, uh, less so. Yeah, um, it's still fun. I think, I think the group was willing to fill out the prompt because I, I I made a prompt for everybody to fill out. Anybody that re- listens to this, I, I wrote out a whole like series of questions like asking you about your character, and I don't think you would know. You have their everybody's emails. I don't think everybody filled it out all the way, and. Talking about hey, how do uh, how does our character we we agree on our characters knowing each other? I haven't heard yet from you know Zach or or uh, Katie. You know, hey, what? Uh, how did our characters meet? Like me and Chris worked out a story, but that's something to consider. The that'd be something I'd like to see amongst players. It's nothing to do with you as the DM. Us yeah. establish a reason to know each other. How was it presented that we get together to be an adventure group? Things like that. Gotcha. Just thinking things through. Yeah, I we don't all randomly show up at Hershey Park. I, One uh, of us will say, "Hey, who wants to go to Hershey Park with me?" Yeah, that's how it goes.
0: I will admit, though, like the the prompt itself has been super fucking helpful. You were the I only agree. person that fully like completed the prompt as it should have been. Mm. Chris gave me the generic spark notes. From when you guys rolls from the Xanathar And kind of created a backstory From that And I told him he had to kind of Work everything out in, in more detail So it, it wasn't necessarily the prompt that you sent But he kind of Took those spark notes and Tried to fill the, fill out the prompt as best As he could
1: It got him thinking
0: Yeah. As for Zach it was very impromptu Which I was fully expecting um, yeah. Katie, I have not uh, received anything from her yet. Uh, so, still? Yeah, still. So, I'm
1: going to have to like pressure on that. And, and here's the thing with the prompt this is only supposed to be part like the first stage. Like, there's, go, there's supposed to be multiple prompts. And then, so when we go back to where I'm DMing, I'm going to send that prompt out to all of you guys. You guys are going to send it back to me. And I'm going to pick through each of your prompts and have notes with questions. Oh, I'm a hero from whatever battle. Cool. Tell me about that battle and why was it important? Who are the two sides? I'm gonna. I want to respond. So the return prompt you guys get is probably gonna be longer than what you sent out. So like imagine the prompt I sent you for Kren. Yeah. And you respond to all every statement in there with a question to ha- make me the player flesh out it further. And we go back and forth until there's no more questions. You as the DM everything that you're curious about is set like okay i know everything about this character mm-hmm. in in character and out of character what my player is trying to accomplish okay i dig it i dig it a lot that's my goal when when i come back i'll be i'll be sending them out and i'll be getting them and then you're going to get one right back and it'll be personalized the first one's generic the second one is specific to you and what you sent i dig it
0: i dig it So, being that you've been playing D&D for a little bit, what's one, I guess, famous person you would like to play in at at least one session with? Oh, God.
1: So, obviously, I'm a critter. So, the obvious answer would be Matt Mercer, but I actually think I would have to go with uh, Liam, Liam O'Brien, or Travis Willingham. I feel like... I have a lot more personality and lined up with theirs, as in so much as anybody can guess somebody you've never met's personality. Uh, I can I can tell that they've they've gone through similar experiences to what I have gone through in life, and I might have more in common with because half of the game of playing D anD D it's not just what you do in game, it's talking and hanging out with each other, having snacks, telling stories in yeah. between the DM trying to describe stuff so i feel like i would have more to talk about outside out of character with them than i would uh the rest uh but if you know take those games out take out critical role as an option i i think it'd be cool if i could get a family member in. if i could get uh my sister into it or one of my mom or dads yes mom or dads uh, <laughs> Get get wanna get any of them into it. That I think that'd be cool, or a cousin or somebody. Some, mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. I'm I'm honestly just, I just like playing D i I'll play with anybody as long as you're not a douche.
0: Yeah, I I think I, I've given up on the whole bringing family in to D I'm I think I'm done. I'm done on that. Um, going back to the question about the famous person, I was honestly going to pick those same two people. Oh really? Yeah, those same two people. But I would add uh, Talisson
1: Jaffe to that list. Um, Travis. like a dude, I just want to be friends with. Yeah, like, I just want to like t- teach me life lessons. That's
0: part of the reason, and also because of, I feel me and him would have a lot of things in common, um, and I would like to learn a lot. lot of stuff from him like he seems the type of person to be extremely wise and give you like life lessons throughout the entire thing even if it was not meant to be um for i would like to play with travis because he definitely seems the type to be just the more chill relaxed laid back you know the goofball of the of the group but would still um but still lend lend out a, a helping
1: hand. Um, he seems like the dude that makes the people around him feel more confident.
0: Yeah, especially with my horrible role-playing, I, I would definitely feel very way more confident if you know Travis is you know going back and forth with me. Um, Liam, just because I, I feel like I can learn so much in terms of how to be tactical with characters. And how to use certain things to your advantage. Um, just because the way he cur- he's currently playing Caleb, he's done so much things as a wizard that I
1: personally would not have been able to think of. I I want to play with Liam because, I mean, obviously as, as you've seen from my DMing, I like the trauma, uh, yeah, and I think can, having a having a dude like so ingrained and just soaked in Shakespearean uh, yeah, acting and stage acting. I feel like Liam would be a dude that'd be like, he could just poke holes. Like, I just want to tell him about my setting. I just want to tell him about the things I've DM'd and have him just poke holes in it. Oh, well, why'd that happen? That doesn't really make sense. Oh, you know how you could have really twisted that knife in that character? What if they had done this instead? Yeah.
0: He can, like, he can play off of trauma so well. And, it comes off so natural to the point where you're, you're not even seeing him anymore. He's so in, involved with his character in, in that moment that he's honestly an overall like really great actor. Um, yeah. Like, then again, that does come from his background as being the overall theater kid. But it's so good when he's especially when he played um, Vax and even Caleb. He's he's just done a rem- remarkable job
1: with both. the The reason why I didn't include the re- any of, the, of of the others in that conversation is because they're not saying this is not true for Liam and Travis. They are, but they're everyone else is a little bit more eagerly like warm and friendly, and I feel like that would cause me to become too shy, and then I would shut down. I can um, de- I can definitely agree. Um, for me, if I w- Brian if I- W. I want to change my answer to Brian W. Foster. I want to play with him. Yeah. That would be, I'm sorry, Travis and Liam. I, I, Brian W. Foster would be amazing to be a player with. I, I can definitely agree with that. He's been through stuff. He's, he's got a bunch, not that anybody else hasn't. Just my, my logic for Travis and Liam, where they seem like I got more in common with, I feel like I have the most in common with Brian.
0: Yeah. Like, I can definitely agree with that. Um, I would like to play with Sam, but I feel like I, I can't be serious enough while he's playing because he's he's always he's the more comedic person of the group. Um, maybe next campaign he'll be a little bit more serious, but everything that he does, he's he's still serious now. But he's he's more the I still feel he's the more com- comedic relief.
1: I. I think he does bits and they're funny and he keeps up gags. He does it a lot, but I actually think he's one of the more serious. I'll I'll disagree with you. I think he's one of the more serious players because he knows he pays attention. He knows everybody's ability. He knows. we were talking about how Liam is so strategic with his, with playing a wizard. I'm watching Sam play Scanlon. And then with, uh, that w- that was strategy nonstop he 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 inspired with what i did to you with toren and aloro oh this is what a bard can do all right bet. this is also true i completely forgot about that and then uh with with him playing not i think he's trying something different and he's being a very grounded uh, a lot more grounded in reality and a lot mm-hmm. more grounded by you by their connections so you know they can be a comedic relief but you know he's talked about it before where it's like maybe these other characters need somebody to decompress with like this is how this is how you treat PTSD this is how you treat uh, depression be a friend be somebody who forces your friends to laugh
0: true and from from the about, stuff that I've seen yeah from the stuff that I've seen in campaign 2 he was always the one to either take the hit so that someone else can get away or jump in front. Um, case in
1: point, when he tried to jump in front of Ford to save him from the, the turtle. Not is the mother of the group. Yeah. In my opinion, Sam is Sam. Season two is the mom of the group. Whether or not she's a little shit about it while she does it. Yeah. Beth is, Beth is the real deal. She is the actual mom or big sister. That nobody realizes they have
0: I can I can definitely agree with that But man I think we should Wrap it up there um, <laughs> right. Yeah it, it was great talking with you man I really I really Absolutely. enjoyed these talks So I, I like you too So if you're interested we can definitely hop on
1: This some other time um, You're always more than welcome on here Absolutely dude i uh I'll have to ask you more about this. I've never seen this for this the first time first
0: time you've done a podcast yeah dude it's so much fun, but we'll say that for another time
1: all right all right brother all you right. have a good night you too Bye.
0: And with that, we shall end it. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys have a wonderful night.